a cold pizza party podcast bonus episode. I'm Adam. I'm Lubitsa. And uh, on this episode, you'll hear us on the first half driving up to Ohio on election day discussing our predictions. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half, (laughs) uh, the podcast, the first half will stop abruptly because I need to pee. Okay. And then... (laughs) Uh, on the second half, you will hear us um, leaving Ohio mm-hmm. after the election and doing a bit of a post-mortem, kind, kind of trying to figure out what the fuck went on, freaking out a little bit. And and talking about what's next. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. How to approach yeah, yeah. the post-Trump America. Yeah. So hopefully it's pretty entertaining for you. Yeah. Um, apologies for bad sound quality. We were getting used to our new mic situation which we talk about a little bit i think yeah um but we talked about how we hope it's uh (laughs) we're like we have this new mic situation we it's exciting there will be background noise and then the background noise like overwhelms kind of at times yeah but you should suffer through it at least for like the first five minutes (laughs) i think i did a really good job cleaning it up you did yeah especially if you're not on headphones it'll be like totally fine but probably even i mastered it on earbuds so even earbuds probably be okay yeah yeah sorry but it's like you're clearly very proud of yourself and and that's fine that's that's appropriate um but i was gonna say that you should suffer through the bad sound quality no matter what at least for like the first five or ten minutes called mediocre so that you can hear um our struggles with our dogs while we drive across (laughs) the country because it's funny and um we're adorable okay okay um (laughs) Oh, you were saying that I turned out to be a bit more right than most people on my yeah, election predictions. Yeah, you did. So I think this episode will be titled, titled Adam Almost almost Got It Right. Yeah, you should have been more confident. Trump colon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, that's basically it. So yeah. uh, enjoy listening and goodbye. <laughs> okay, <laughs> goodbye. Uh, this is a, yeah. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> setting the gear shift yeah which is uh very safe and um it is like noon on election day so i thought that we should try to make some predictions oh my god (laughs) oh my god what is happening (laughs) she's She's just getting comfy she's sitting on adam's lap like she's like (laughs) maybe maybe she needs to go in the back Oh my god, okay. okay. She's going in the back. Okay, that's good. That's probably for the best. Jesus Christ. I'm sad. I, I think that was, that was probably good. Good news. Especially because she changed the gear again on her way oh, okay, out. Okay, okay. Well, okay. Um, okay. So, so it's noon on election day. And I thought that we should try to make some predictions to see if we actually know anything or if we're totally full of shit just like everybody else. Oh, no, Ella's coming oh. forward. Oh, Bella. Oh, my God. Oh, give Bella some love. Come here. Okay. Okay. Come here, Bella. Oh, 
What is she doing? Oh. Oh. Okay. okay. Let's try that. Okay. Cool. So, obviously, my first question to you is, who, who do you think is going to win? Uh, well, I guess everybody says it's going to be Hillary. Yeah. I tend to be too pessimistic. I, I always think, like, the craziest thing is going to happen. Uh-huh. The most outrageous thing. So... So I think your... people are underestimating Trump, uh-huh. and part of me wants to say, well, he'll probably win, because I, I worry that like it, it will be like a Brexit vote, and people will have their polling all wrong, and Trump... See, on the one hand, I think Trump has the energy, and he's, his people are more excited, mm-hmm. but I also think his people are not going to turn out. They're right. just... Uh, it's like... It's not fun to go vote. It's a lot easier to just share your opinion on Facebook. It's more rewarding to just share your opinion on Facebook yeah. than to go voting. Yeah. The lines are going to be long. Yeah. We went and early voted and then realized that we didn't get to vote for mayor, which was weird. So, I don't know. It's it's very it's not only not rewarding, but then we left and we were both like, "Oh, I feel bad about that experience yeah. now." <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, I I guess I think like Maybe it's just, maybe it's like uh, faulty logic and I'm like biased because this is how it went last time, but I really think that this is going to be another scenario like Romney where it's going to turn out that like he had no fucking chance and uh, the media and everybody just drummed it up to be this big contest that looked so close and it was neck and neck and everybody needed to tune in and freak out every day over like, you know. Miss America and Pussygate and everything else mm-hmm. and ultimately that was all like the media just you know playing people yeah. for, for views I think, and clicks and whatnot. I think you can tell who's going to win just based on a combination of what their face looks like and your like gut reaction to seeing their face. Yeah. So like Romney was always going to lose to Obama. You could yeah. just tell by just looking at Yeah that. he just looks like a loser. I mean yeah. I know he looks like a President Kendall from like from the movies, but in in reality, like compared to like Obama, who just looks like I don't know, like a confident. He just looks Statue. really yeah, and like he he is like not not just that he looks like a winner, but he has, he has like a winning smile and yeah. like personality, and he has like a lot of ease, like when he's yeah. like on talk shows and stuff, like when he tells jokes, they like come out really naturally, like. Whereas, like, you can, you can imagine that, like, he might actually be funny in, in real life, whereas, like, Mitt Romney was, like, a robot who, you know, we all assume only eats saltines, you know? Like, yeah. so, yeah. That, that makes, like, the 2000 election hard to call. Because it's like... Uh, I know. It's like a turtle versus a sea slug. <laughs> or, like, 92. Yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. What face do you pick between... Clinton Bush Sr. and Ross Perot. Well, Slick Willie for sure. I mean, I'm not obviously like hindsight, but yeah. um, he was like young and like red faced and like ready to go. And yeah, yeah. like Bush, like, you know, threw up on like, was it like the <laughs> Chinese Prime Minister? Japan oh, okay. Prime Minister, yeah. And like announced to everyone that he hated broccoli and didn't know how scanners at the grocery oh, store yeah. worked. Like, he thought it was brand new technology. Yeah. Remarkable. It's like, oh wow, you've had people buying your groceries since I don't yeah. know, nineteen seventy two? Like 
Also, so, we never have to worry about the Ted Cruz presidency. God, no. No, no, no. No. When your your face looks like it's melting off your bones, yeah. like, it, it looks like the creepy font, like the creepy Halloween yeah, font. Yeah, like, does. that's what his face is. Yeah. So, Trump, it's like, it is hard to imagine him being president. It's, he doesn't come off as presidential at all. After seeing the first debate, I really felt like there's no way he's going to win this. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, like, really successful at, at like, um like speaking to people obviously like based on especially based on that uh rnc speech he gave where he was like i am your voice and it was like oh my god this is terrifying um but i can't actually imagine him like like spending any time in the oval office um but that's not really what matters i i don't think it really matters whether we can like imagine him as a policy wonk because obviously he's not yeah i think like what really matters is whether or not people actually believe it's a good idea and like I think a lot of people who support Trump support him because they think it's a bad idea like you know what I mean like yeah true true it is like that human Molotov cocktail thing that like we heard Michael Moore talking about on Democracy Now and like that means that people don't actually necessarily have confidence in him and like don't really think that like oh this is like someone I stand with it's more like someone who can like blow shit up because I'm like angry or whatever which I think it goes back to the Brexit thing you're talking about but anyway I think it's gonna be close call I mean not a close call I think it's actually gonna be like 11 p.m. we're gonna like wrap this shit up and Hillary is going to have won but I do want to know with like you know obviously there's some swing states like Ohio do you think like we're driving to Ohio right now we should know something about Ohio since we both grew up there. Ohio always perplexes me still, even though I grew up there. Yeah. Well, we had such, like, wildly different experiences yeah. growing up in Ohio. Like, I remember reading an article in the past that said there's five Ohios. <laughs> I so believe my it. part's the Northeast, which is traditionally Democrat because of unions. Uh-huh. And then it's, it's more urban. And then you have Cincinnati, which is also urban but is conservative. And then you have Columbus in the middle, which is flat and suburban. West Virginia in the southeast, basically, like hill people, moonshine country. And uh, I forget what the fifth one was. I guess flat farmland, probably. Mm. Like, even those landscapes are so different. Yeah. But, uh, so I I really never am able to predict it. I would say, I would be inclined to say Trump, because I think in my region, a lot of Democrats are going to flip to vote for Trump. And the rest of the state goes red already, most of it. Yeah. But, like, I don't I think know. it's going to go for Trump, too. And I, I think that partly because, like, I've, like, the people that I know in Columbus, like, in, in the suburb that I grew up with, like, are all people who are, uh, they're Republicans, but they're, like, not, not, they're more like the Republicans who wanted, like, Kasich. You know, like, they don't want Trump, and they don't want Trump to be, like, the standard bearer for the party. Yeah. So, I don't know. Either they're, like, not going to go out and vote, or they'll just vote for Hillary, because, frankly, like, she is, like, a moderate conservative, you know? Yeah. It's not really that hard for a lot of them to flip over, just like a lot of the, like, kind of elite conservatives in the country have, you know, loudly flipped for Hillary. I think since we were young, Ohio has gotten more religious. Yeah. More conservative. Red. Yeah, also, like, has it gotten more racist? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Well, I don't know. There's always racism in my part. 
Yeah. Like, it's weird. You see people with Confederate flags who are, like, 30, 30 minutes from the northern border. Yeah, sometimes I'm, like, really surprised in Ohio when I see, like, blatant racism. I feel like when I was younger, but maybe I just didn't notice it. It's, you know, it's hard to say. Okay. But you then, grew up in the city, so racism is different in the city. Yeah, true. It was a lot more like, oh, no, we think black people are wonderful, but, like, we don't want them to move into our area and, like, lower our property taxes. <laughs> I mean, lower our property values, rather. Yeah. So we'll keep our property taxes high. Um... Yeah, I, I think Ohio's probably going to go red this time, though, because other, like, other than those people, like, I don't know, I don't know who's going to vote for Hillary in Ohio, really, like, so many jobs have been shipped out and stuff through these various trade deals, and Ohio still, like, had a lot of factory jobs and union jobs not that long ago, so I think there's, like, a lot of people who still, like, feel the sting, you know? Yeah. Um... But one thing I was talking to you about, too, is, like, I wonder how voter turnout is going to go. I think that's also, like, a big thing that, like, I don't know how many people are, like, factoring it in. But, you know, a lot of these northern states, like, it's November. It's cold. There's snowstorms and things. And a lot of Trump supporters are older people who may or may not feel totally safe driving through snowstorms and rainstorms and things like that. So I also wonder if that will actually depress turnout for him. Um, I would guess more for him than for her, but I don't know. Yeah, you also gotta factor in, like, the conspiracy element. Yeah. Like, how much, how many of Trump supporters think that Hillary is a witch, and she's just gonna use her witchcraft to win no matter what? Uh, Like, those people aren't gonna vote. I actually thought when you said conspiracy, I actually was feeling, you know, um, I mean, we were listening to Michael Moore on Democracy Now!, and he said this, and I did kind of feel like, of agree, which is like, you know, the Podesta emails have come out, and they show a lot of cheating on the part of the DNC against Bernie. Um, you know, I mean, they had even picked out Tim Kaine like, uh, a year like ago. July 2015. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and obviously like Donna Brazil. Well, before that point, they had already picked him for some reason. Yeah. I'm just, because they knew who their candidate was going to be. It didn't matter who else got in the race. And like, you know, Donna Brazil leaking, like, the death penalty questions, stuff like that. Like, it's so clear that, like, they were willing to do a lot just to win the primary that was really fucking shitty and shady. And I just feel like I don't think that they're going to, like, that... I don't think that attitude... Yeah, stops at the primary. Not that I think that she'll actually need to cheat necessarily to win, because, like, I really don't think it's going to be that close, but... I love that scandal about Trump saying he will not... He will not necessarily respect the results of the election. Yeah. I love that on so many levels. Like, it's not an option for the non-incumbent to not accept yeah, the results true, of the election. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, it suggests, like, that he has some power that he absolutely yeah, yeah. does not have. That's like the, the pundit class in America just has no idea about reality. Like, that <laughs> happens elsewhere in the world, but only when the people in power refuse to give it up. Yeah. That's the only time it's a problem. Yeah, or if, like, the other guy is, like, a general who has, like, half the army behind him and can actually, like, yeah, true. you know, take power if he needs to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say something else about that, but I forget. Well, I mean, I think it also, you know, gives... One of the things that's been, like, really annoying this election cycle is this idea of, like, propriety and... Yeah, that's what I was You know, 
how we behave and being well behaved versus and saying shitty things. And that he's just outside the bounds of what's acceptable. And yet, if you pay attention, you know, every election, like every two years, yeah. there's stories about voter registration that gets thrown away. Like, there's also like regularly like sexual assault like charges against candidates. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Are, but know. I mean, like, the, the pundit class is like, oh, our process is so sacred and Trump threatens it just with his, like, venal character. But yeah. it's not sacred. Every two years, some Republican goes to college or something and pretends to be a Democrat and take voter registration info for people yeah, and throws yeah. it in the trash. Yeah. And those stories are coming out now, two years ago, two years before that, you know. Yeah, plus all, like, the signs that tell people, like, oh, you have to have photo ID. Yeah, so yeah. Don't. Every year they send out mailers that have the wrong info. Yeah. They'll send out mailers that have the wrong date. Yeah. Have the, they're like, oh, make sure you vote on November Didn't, like, 10th. Didn't Ted Cruz's campaign do that this primary cycle? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, and then also, like, just this idea that, like, oh, that's what makes us special is this, like, peaceful transfer of power. It's like, yeah, yeah that's, like, a nice ideal, and I'm glad we, like, try to live up to it, but... You don't have to look that far back in our own history. Like, Andrew Jackson's first run, he won the popular vote. But then, like, the fucking house, like, colluded to give it to yeah, yeah. Uh, Quincy. John Quincy Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was telling you about one I had no idea of. In 1877 or something like that, um, when Rutherford B. Hayes won the election, oh, that's he right. had less popular votes, less electoral votes. But the thing was, it was during Reconstruction. And, uh, Nobody knows for sure what happened because nobody wrote it down. Sure. But all of a sudden, Florida, Louisiana, and one other southern state switched their votes to Rutherford B. Hayes. And as soon as he took the presidency, he was like, you know what? We can end Reconstruction in those three states. You know? Yeah. So our process has always been corrupt it's and... Extremely, like, cynical. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that there's this dichotomy between the, like, people who love Hillary, like, the liberal, pundit, urban white-collar professional class who just have so much faith in the system because they were like kids who got straight A's in school yeah so they just believe in institutions yeah, yeah. versus like behind closed doors they're doing whatever it takes to win because that's reality yeah yeah and the people who are willing to do whatever it takes to win are the only people who are willing to uh like like confront power like to actually like interrogate the idea of power and like desire it and it, like and use it yeah i think like a lot of people who talk about democracy talk about it in these like high ideals which is nice but the reality is this is a transfer of power like right it's it, it's like we're a powerful yeah. the most powerful nation and there is, if we don't talk about like the fact that there is just like raw power at stake like then we're really missing something totally the best thing you can say about democracy is that it sets up like a system to sustain constant conflict. Do you think we're gonna get in trouble resolve with this pop sees that Ella's on your lap? I don't I don't think so. Okay, let's hope not. Okay, well he's passing us. I don't think they care about dogs that much. Yeah, I mean it, normally I would be like a little concerned, but I guess it's fine. I, he did not seem to care at all. No. Anyway, sorry. Oh, You're just sorry. too paranoid about cops. Uh, well, which is fair. They're scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, well, uh, so I, I go off on so many tangents, but if you're going to talk about 
faith in the system versus the reality. Yeah. You'd and, think that people who support <laughs> Hillary would see all these stories of cops killing people. Yeah. And start to realize, like, we live in an anarchic society where just the people who have power use it. Exactly. Yeah. And, further their interests. And again, like, people will talk about, like, we need to make things more fair, more equal. Like, we always skirt talking about actual power and, and it's, like, function. Like... Like, instead of t- being like, oh, isn't it really fucked up that the state has the power to completely, like, take away, like, your freedom? And, and not just, like, lock you up because you did something wrong, but lock you up because you have to stand for trial. Like, isn't yeah. all of Rikers, like, people waiting to, like, actually be, like, uh... uh... Yeah, in New York City, if you get arrested, you might wait for trial for two or three years. Yeah. Which is, like, insane, the fact that the state has that power, or the fact that the state has the power to take someone's life when we know there are millions, like, I don't know if it's millions, but many, many cases where people have obviously been wrongfully confused, uh, convicted, where there wasn't enough, really, evidence, it was, like, some racial bias, probably, you know, or, like, class bias that, like, led to this person being jailed, and then you know, instead of talking about, like, oh, or, like, we were just listening to, like, how, um, in some states, like, felons can vote, which is really fucked up that there are states where they can't, but ignoring that issue, um, but the, whether or not they vote depends entirely on whether or not they know, first of all, that they're allowed to vote, and secondly, whether the person, like, in power that day knows that that's the case, and whether they're going to be willing to go, like, find some (coughs) like absentee ballots for these people and stuff like they'll tell they'll tell you in prison that you will never be allowed to vote yeah that's not true yeah or the law will change and you never hear about it yeah but even so you just the more day-to-day aspect like you could be stuck in jail but allowed to vote like in vermont for example but you can't uh if, if the prison guard that day doesn't like know that or care or just didn't like have his cup of coffee that morning and feels grumpy then you may not be allowed to vote and that's like real like crazy amount of power in countries where like prisoners can vote like they they can sway elections like so uh, or was it was it states we heard that recently states okay states so i mean it's just like that is an incredible amount of power like one vote, that guy's vote isn't going to change anything, but whether or not he allows people to vote that day in the prison, that can actually, like, have a major impact on society. So, I don't know, I think, like, talking about power, I guess I think it's just, like, it's more practical. It's, it's like, more important because it really affects the material conditions of people's lives in a much, you know, more visceral way than you know, whether or not, like, we think that the face of America is pretty, you know what I mean, like, and the Hillary camp seems to understand power a lot more than the Trump camp, even though they make such a show of being strong and masculine. Yeah, I think the Trump camp understands optics better, I think they understand, like, like, a show yeah, like, of masculinity. It, like, it's like uh, putting on a play of, about power rather than actually, like, grasping power. And I yeah. feel like the Hillary camp, I mean... Like all elite Democrats, they know more about what people in the press think than yeah. people outside of D.C. or New York or whatever. 
Yeah, and also like people get so enamored with the idea of like technocrats and wonks and stuff like policy wonks, you know, are in her campaign and that's what makes it so special. And it's like, yeah, but those are, they're, the reason those people are important is because they actually understand like the intricate like details of how to like move the levers of power, you know, like yeah. it's not just that they like well, write good policies, it's like they understand like. But a lot know, of them don't. A lot of them do just write policies and articles. And yeah, but like in Obama's, um, uh, what's it called, administration, like, um, they like had a guy who was like a policy wonk on like labor or something, and then he just like went around looking for something that they could do, and he found some like old law from like, like, I think like 1890 or something like that, and realized that like with just like the signing of the you know of a statement Obama could like pay workers like overtime in the federal government and that that would like actually probably raise rates in the private sector oh, too that's cool I didn't know the story about that. yeah and so like basically they're just like oh here's this way that the president can easily enact executive power and you know bypass the congress and affect like labor wages and so they use that lever you know effectively like that's good but you know it also means that like that you know it was also people like that who you know like lawyers like uh what's his name you john you who like were like oh no it's totally fine to go into iraq without talking to anybody and like let's it's just, torture yeah yeah torture yeah let's just do this shit like because we can because we can you know we understand how these laws are written we under we can we're policy walks uh, on these laws and therefore we can use the laws to do whatever we want yeah almost uh if we for if i can do a longer term prediction real quick sure i think um i think hillary's camp knows more about how to use power than obama did yeah and, I and maybe too. even still does domestically so i think i think actually domestically there's a chance she'll get more done. You were saying that back in like 2009 and 10 that if Hillary had won instead of Obama, we probably would have I don't know he, she would have been more effective at getting things through when we had like a democratic majority Yeah. I, I do think that's true, although like at the time I used to think we could have had a better, better healthcare law. But I don't and think then now, true. yeah I saw her in the primary being like, we will never ever have yeah, universal yeah. healthcare. And I was like, oh well if you don't believe in it, like then. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But I wouldn't be too surprised if she did something stronger against Wall Street than Dodd-Frank in a situation like that, where it was time to do something. Because I don't think, like she's just going out and talking to bankers to get their money. And I don't think there's too much ideological commitment to- Oh, uh, no, I disagree Do you know what makes me think that is how she voted for the Iraq war and she tries to, even in her statement at the time, she tried to say like she was just doing it because everybody else was. But behind the scenes, she was really advocating for it. She was one of the Democrats who was pushing for it the most. And uh, But then when it came time for a troop surge in 2006, she was against it because she didn't want to be seen supporting it because it was so unpopular. I think she's so willing to change her position that... Uh, like if bankers were unpopular, she would just be like, yeah, she drop the hammer if she thought it would make her look good. Yeah, I think that's possible, but I mean, she, she had, like, so many easy, like, layup opportunities to do 
do that even this primary cycle. Like, what about DAPL? Like, people are freaking out over it. Like, a lot of people, a lot of young people, a lot of young progressive people like me and you who would absolutely, like, are not convinced that she should be president, except that, like, Donald Trump is, you know, is Donald Trump. I, yeah. And, uh, you know, she could have easily, just right now, it's like a layup. Like, she could have just showed up or at least had a meeting with the people who came from uh, from the protesters to meet with her. And then they tried to just hand a letter to, like, her staff. And they were like, no, no, we can't accept this. No. I, I think they're unable to make strategic decisions like that. I don't think they're aware but then, at but then all. But why do you think the... they'd be aware that, like, there's a sentiment against bankers? Like... I think this was like, I mean, when like a million people on Facebook check into a place, it was it was already a big deal before that even happened. People, especially on social media, like I, I know the news wasn't covering it, but like on social media, like everyone I know was talking about it. Yeah. And the fact that like, and, and not just everyone I know, like on Twitter, all the, like people I don't know, you know? Yeah. And uh, the fact that they couldn't even see that they should, I don't know accept a, a meeting or a letter when they came to their Brooklyn office like it just really I think that she's so she's such a terrible politician well, like, what about, that she like, will not notice an opportunity like even if there was a financial crash maybe she would now because it's like the second go around and she's like oh yeah bankers are probably unpopular what about the whole fight for 15 and how uh, they dealt with it that you see through the Podesta emails yeah. I don't think they have any awareness of like they don't have an ability to seize an opportunity like well, that. Well, they also went and checked in with like the lobbyists from, or what was it, the lobbyists or like some representative from Walmart. And they're like, what should we say about this? Um, and the guy was like, uh, whatever, just don't say anything or just don't mention Walmart. And that's what they did. They like, that's exactly what they did. They didn't say anything and they never yeah. mentioned Walmart. But like, it didn't, even before they got to that point of like but just consulting with Walmart, Walmart, they already weren't going to come out for it. Yeah, I know. They but were already the, like, the emails are like, I assume we have no comments on this, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's basically, yeah. And the, but they're at, the, they're asking the Walmart guy that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I think there's earlier emails where they're just like, no, this isn't something we talk about. And that's why Neera Tandon is like, well, even some of our liberal economic advisors at our at CFAP. Oh right, yeah. Yeah. I call it CFAP instead of capitalism. Okay. Uh, but I just think that maybe she'll be more effective or she could be more effective domestically than Obama if Republicans would let her do anything. Which they probably won't even let her appoint a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, and also that's gonna be like her excuse for everything. You I know? know, that's gonna be the worst. Just elect more Democrats. Yeah, and she's going to be like, look at all these uh, Republicans who voted for me. You know, I'm the president of Republicans and Democrats. I need to represent those people, too. But I think if Hillary knows how to use power domestically better than Obama, which I think is true, I think part of what held Obama back is just a true commitment to thinking that these are the smartest people, you know, these bankers that I put on the secretary of whatever to help make decisions about the economy. I did that because they're the smartest people. Yeah. And uh, the reason we did insurance this way is because it was the smartest way to do it. Uh, I think that's what really holds him back is actual uh, commitments like to an ideology of just doing the smart thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he knows as well how to handle power, at least domestically, but he seems way more attuned to the pitfalls of using power. 
like, I think we're going to look back at his foreign policy and not think that it was good, but think that it was the best and still compared yeah, to know. maybe any other president in our lives. Well, certainly President Clinton is not going to lead us uh, no. out of the Middle East. Yeah, she's, she's not going like, to lead us out of turbulent waters. Yeah, she's no, going to like she's sail like leaning into, into Russia. Like, yeah. 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 I think she might have like an overconfidence in power. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So those are like long-term predictions. Yeah. Well, I only had really two. I wanted to ask you, like, what do you, you know, we live in Texas, obviously. I know that Texas, like, it's definitely not going to be But it's, blue. Getting, it's getting bluer all the time. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you is like, do you think that it's going to be close, like actually close? Or do you think it's still going to be like landslide Trump? You know, if it wasn't for like low oil prices, I think it, Trump wouldn't do that well at all compared to other Republicans. But it's probably a really good climate for him now because people are losing their small businesses and their high-paying oil jobs. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think he would do very well at all compared to other Republicans. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder, like, because in Texas, you know, like Greg Abbott, the governor, and uh, what's his name, Dan Patrick, the uh, attorney general. Is that right? Is that what he is, Dan Patrick? Or is he the... What's the other... What's the lieutenant? That, that's what I'm... He's one of those two. I yeah, me too. We are not up to date on Texas politics. But I do know that they've had, like, major corruption issues and are, like, yeah. going to uh, court. And so I just wonder if people who, like, you know, are, like, true no, Texans, I don't think people like, care. if they're gonna... I don't think... Pe people have... It's weird. People have pride in being a Texan, but they don't know shit about what's going on in Texas. Yeah. I think if you pulled 20 people off the street, not one of them would know yeah. what you're talking about. That's true. They're always buying cases of Budweiser. It's like, yeah. drink Shiner. You it's have the it same right price. here. Yeah. Or at least Lone Star. It has the shape of Texas on it. Yeah. 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 Actually, like, live your Texas pride. <laughs> yeah. But I think everybody is going to be surprised how, how many people turn out to vote for Democrats in Texas. The problem is it's not... Like, it's so gerrymandered. Yeah. And so, Democrats suck. They don't run in so many districts. When we voted, um, there were Democrats running for, like, Congress. Yeah. And uh, that's about it. Uh, some some uh, state Supreme Court positions. Yeah. Nobody locally. They didn't have a mayoral candidate that's all, like, independent. They didn't have anyone for school board or city council or any of that stuff. Oh, my God. I have to pee so bad. That's on the recording now. Good. Oh. Okay, it's like hard for me to concentrate on what we're talking about. I'll now. just pause it. Okay, this is Adam. And this is the pizza. And this is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. We're doing a new recording technique. We have um, a nice little Tascam field recorder thing. And uh, we thought it'd be nice to get a little background noise, uh, get a little ambiance into the recordings. Yeah. thought that might be fun. So we're going to try that out here. Um, we're driving cross-country currently. Yeah. We drove up to Ohio. 
uh, during over the election, really. So while we were driving on up to Ohio, we recorded some predictions for the election. So we'll play those uh, first, and then we'll come back and talk a bit about uh, the apocalypse. So. <laughs> um, Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, well, I wanted to say we were driving up to Ohio, and uh, we basically drove through Trump country. Yeah. I thought it'd be nice to talk about our personal experience a little bit. Yeah. So, like, I live in north of Youngstown, so that's the, you know, core Rust Belt white working class people that we're talking about after this election. Uh, I don't know, it was really interesting to drive up and see so many Trump signs. I think people up there are really normally disaffected from politics and they don't ever really put yard signs up. And there was so many Trump signs. Yeah, it was strange, especially to me because we were coming from Texas. And I mean, we live in a college town, but still I hadn't seen that many Trump signs. Yeah, Certainly not enough to gauge any kind of enthusiasm for Trump. Um, and then to go from that to being in Ohio, which you you know you think is a bit more blue, and having all those signs made yeah. me realize like, whoa, there's a um, a much stronger you know support system for Donald Trump than I had originally thought. Yeah, yeah that's true. If we had seen that, maybe we'd be even less surprised that he actually won. Uh, I feel like Democrats didn't learn the lesson. I know we've talked about this at least two or three times on the podcast. Like when Scott Walker was being recalled in Wisconsin, we thought you were working on it a little bit for an organization, right? Or yeah, you were involved with it. And we thought surely it's going to get overturned because it was such a national news story that Scott Walker was getting recalled and he had fucked everything up. But he ended up. Re, uh, remaining in power, which was such a surprise because everything had been mobilized so hard against him. But the problem was, no, nobody knew who the Democrat was running against him. Like, nobody really knew his name or what he stood for. So the election was just all about Scott Walker, so it was no surprise that he won. And here the same thing happened. Hillary didn't get out there with any clear policies and just made it all about Trump. And Trump made it all about Trump, and then Trump won. Doesn't seem that surprising. Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess it's it's not surprising, but the most surprising part for me was actually still, like, how wrong the media was. Like, I thought that at this point in my life and, I don't know, life following politics, that I didn't really like think the media knew much of what they're talking about, and so I, I don't really, you know, we don't tune into like MSNBC or anything like that. I didn't think there was any value, particularly in reading even like 538, which I know everybody still loves for some reason, even though they were like wrong on most of the primaries. Um, but even so, like, even with that kind of attitude, I still thought like, surely Hillary is gonna win, you know. All of the, all of the media seemed to think she was gonna win. Everybody who was, had any kind of power seemed to love her. And on top of that, you know, all the pollsters were saying she had like a 98% chance to win. So I felt like not all of those things can be wrong. And I think that's why I was so certain it was gonna be a Mitt Romney type thing where they kind of like 
drum up the drama, but really, it's like wrapped up by 1130. Yeah. Uh, and I was really, really surprised to find out that that wasn't the case. And obviously it was like really, really, really depressing to see and know that Donald Trump is going to be elected. But I, you know, I told you like for me, a real surprise and I guess silver lining and all of this is realizing that um, just because like a lot of powerful people want something doesn't mean that that's like what's going to happen. And that actually, like, people, power, you know, isn't just a term lefties say to each other to, like, make ourselves feel better about not having, like, you know, financial power behind us. That it's actually, like, a real thing that can sway elections still to this day. Because, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I even think part of the reason I thought that she was definitely going to win was because it was like, well, you know, they're corrupt, like, I don't know, our system's corrupt, yeah, donors yeah. get whatever they want, you know, we all know that, like, um, study that shows, like, if rich people want something, like, the policy's probably gonna get passed, and, like, a ton of poor people can want it, and nothing's yeah. gonna happen, so, I don't know, I guess knowing all of that, I felt, like, pretty disenfranchised going into this, but in a way that made me feel pretty certain that Hillary that, that, would... That made you feel safe. Yeah, yeah, that made me feel like, yeah, no, this is in the bag, like, no problem. Yeah, I know we heard uh, a couple people on American Family Radio call in and be like, uh, I'm worried that even if Hillary doesn't win, she'll still win. You exactly. Know? And I kind of thought, yeah, I mean, Hillary's the establishment. She will maintain power for the people that are in power. I, that's the biggest surprise to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's what's kind of a silver lining to me because... To me, it says, like, well, all those people who told us, no, you can't have Bernie, not only because he's not electable, but because, you know, he's too radical or whatever. He's, you know, he's too anti-establishment. It's like, apparently we, we can. We just needed to believe that we could, the way people yeah. who support Donald Trump believed that they could have Donald Trump. Like, you know, I think, I think hopefully this will show people that, like, you really don't need to listen to what the establishment, especially establishment media says, because they don't know shit, you know, <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, really, like, everything was supposed to be done, it was, it was just this perfunctory process that we had an election day this time around, know, as far as everybody was concerned, and yet, uh, surprise, like, that's not, you know, we should have known, a, we, uh, two things, one, we should have known Trump was gonna win when he gave that speech that was like, I am your voice yeah, and shit, I know, that and, was terrifying. I, I, he had all the passion on his side, you know. It, that, in retrospect, should have made it obvious. Also, I can't believe that I trusted Nate Silver. I know. Yeah. I, uh, for all the criticism that we have of, like, mainstream uh, media, people, and polling, and the hive mind of, like, the liberal bubble, yeah. I can't believe I actually trusted it anyway. Well, it wasn't just Nate Silver. I mean, it was everybody. Yeah. Nate Silver got into a fight with, like, the HuffPo pollster because he gave Donald Trump 30%. Yeah. And, you know, the HuffPo pollster was like, you're crazy. You're doing crazy things, you know. This is me off that now Nate Silver is out there. Like, you can hear him on, on the media saying, like, well, we basically got it right because we gave him a 30% chance. Yeah. And we did better than everybody else. Yeah. That's so fucking stupid. You can't give odds on a presidential election. There's only one. We can't do it ten times yeah. and see if really only three times Donald Trump gets elected. I don't understand what thinking that even represents. Do you think that people just like randomly decide whether to vote or not, and just randomly more Trump voters turned out? 
That doesn't it doesn't make any sense at all. And it kind of pisses me off. And what does it mean now that we live in this, you know, 30% yeah. world, right? Like, are we through the looking glass? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. What is that? I feel like, I told you this a little bit, I feel like we went through the looking glass because we were driving up uh, to Ohio for a funeral, and we left late at night. We drove all through the night. We had been up for, you know, yeah. 20 hours, and we started listening to election results, and they started going bad. And then, you know, so we're like sleep delirious. We yeah. stay up all night watching election results. Because uh, I couldn't believe, like, I literally kept saying that night, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. I can't believe this happened. Like, I honestly, even as we were seeing it, maybe because I knew we were also like totally sleep deprived and delirious, it just felt unreal. Yeah. Like, it, it felt so. And then we like went to a uh, funeral, sleep deprived the next morning. I felt like you and I personally went through the looking glass yeah. and entered this world. <laughs> and most Americans are still living in the proper 70% world. But uh, I'm glad that all of you are here with us listening to our podcast. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, I mean, but uh, the polling thing, like, to give some credit to the HuffPo pollsters, one of the people who works on it was on their podcast and was saying, to us, what that 98% chance of Hillary winning meant, was there's only a 2% chance that these polls are all wrong, mm, right? Yeah. But Nate Silver, I don't know what he thinks that number represents. That makes more sense if he's saying a 30% chance that these polls are wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, But, uh, it's, and he, he was basically on, on the media arguing, on the one hand, nobody should pay attention to us implicitly. Yeah. Like, nobody should care what our numbers are or put much stock in it because it's just a chance, right? So he's basically like defending himself by saying, don't pay attention to us. But he wants you to pay so much attention to him that he actually split off from the New York Times and founded his own company. So yeah. he's, uh, he's so irritating to me. <laughs> I can't help it. Um, so, okay, but going back to this like, whole fucking election, you know, um, I think, you know, you were talking about how it was like the day after and one thing that really makes me think of is how annoyed I got with everybody on Facebook. Uh, I know you don't really go on Facebook very often, but I, I um, was logging on over the next couple of days and just seeing this like sea of people who, you know, I, I like, obviously, they're my friends, but um, people like, I have, I have a lot of like, I guess like white liberal progressive friends who um, certainly were like also very upset that Trump was elected, yeah. which is fine. But then there was a lot of people who I seem seem to like want to tell everyone on Facebook that they're good people, basically, like that they're worried about minorities or gay people or trans people or whatever. Yeah. And I also have a lot of friends who, you know, I have friends who are trans, I have friends who are gay, and seeing what they were posting was obviously meaningful and really upsetting, you know, because they don't feel safe and they have good reason not to because, you know, um, crimes against various minorities have already started going up since um, Trump's election. So that was one thing, but to have all these other, like, liberals kind of, I don't know, appropriating the pain and fear of minorities was really upsetting because, I mean, I think we do need to, like, be honest with ourselves that, like, most white, middle-class, college-educated people are going to be just fine. Yeah. And what they really need, you know, what we really need is, like, to organize, not to, like, 
I don't know, wallow and uh, like perform our uh, compassion yeah, yeah. towards others. You know yeah, what I totally. mean? That's uh, not really helpful at all. And it's really irritating to me as like a former organizer to see all these people putting all this energy. Continue on I-71 oh. <laughs> uh, on South for 14 miles. Okay, well, there okay. you go. Uh, to, to see all these people putting all this energy into uh, expressing, you know, their disapproval as opposed to um, putting energy into, like, organizing. And I'm also worried that, I guess, people are going to, like, burn out really quickly yeah. on this and that when Trump actually does something that's worth, like, actually, you know, protesting and organizing around that... I'm, I'm not going to yeah. see those same liberal friends. These are on the... these are the people who are going to be wearing safety pins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and it's we like, just that's fine. Whatever. I'm just more concerned because people do like that's just the reality of like politics. Is like you're going to burn out. You know, mm-hmm. everyone does. I did. So like, I just wish like I could tell all these people like, hold on, he's going to do terrible shit. Like for sure, he's a terrible human being and. Even if he doesn't give a shit, he gets bored with being president. He put, like, Mike Pence and a million other dumb Republicans who are, like, excited about policy, you know, all around him. Like, he's going to have terrible policies. But, you know, instead of, like, telling me right now how upset you are, like, I want to see people, like, actually, you know, mobilizing around these issues. And also hopefully going out to vote. I mean... Yeah. You know, in we were we were just in Columbus. Did you notice that uh, one of the stores we walked by, like as we were walking by it, the lady, the girl who works there, was putting in the window hashtag safety pin. No, I didn't. Yeah, that's so funny. Columbus like has more Chinese immigrant students at OSU than minorities yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, also, shout out to like uh, Mugger Club on Twitter, M U G R E, who said like tip the proper way to be the best way to be the real way to be an ally is to stick that safety pin in your eye i like that it's like pretty brutal yeah but there's like a lot of truth to that like you're not actually suffering yeah you just you're just performing that's what i'm saying empathy for other people it's like i'm a compassionate liberal watch me perform my compassion yeah also i don't really have any patience for the people who are like shocked that trump is elected and they feel like the world is ending. Yeah, I the worst part about the Trump administration is going to be Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah, Mike Pence. If he puts Gingrich or Giuliani in, yeah. like the Republicans who have already existed and had power already, yeah. who are just going to come back and make do even worse shit. Now. Especially like energy policy wise, um, he's yeah. always surrounded himself with incredible, like Mitt Romney's energy guy and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Plus, new. under Obama, cops were killing people, yeah. getting worse. It seems like you know millions were being deported like shit's already bad it's been bad for a long time and now it's just gonna get a little worse or maybe a lot worse we'll see yeah i mean maybe a lot worse but again like right now he hasn't he has no power i don't want to say like people are overreacting i feel like people were underreacting to what was already going on yeah and now that it's like scary cartoonish republican billionaire that's taking charge now the blue team is like all fired up yeah. and they feel like the world is ending yeah, but I when guess, the blue team was in charge and this shit was going on they just turned a blind eye to it i guess that's why i feel a little weird about suddenly ha- being on the same side as like liberals again you know yeah. it's a little bit like the george bush years where it's like 
oh wow we're all like protesting the war together and then like you know obama comes into power like we're gonna have some drone strikes and it's like where are the liberals at like can i can i point out what we were saying a little bit ago off the tape that if obama had assumed office prosecuted bush officials for torture put bankers in jail we would have a solid democratic majority in all of congress in the presidency and republicans would be fucked instead we have a republican who's running who's saying that he wants to torture he doesn't think there's anything wrong with torture and is a billionaire yeah yeah so i really think if you want to blame somebody for trump's election you can't allow democrats to escape blame no definitely i mean Hillary Clinton's response to make America great again was America already is great, which was true for like some people, I guess, like the Clintons. Yeah. Um, But what it really goes to, but I, I remember that really well. And I remember at the time being like, oh my God, hopefully they'll just like reverse (laughs) course and no one will notice that they ever like did this. But then every podcast we've listened to, even some analysis on like TV mentioned that America's already great again response yeah. and which goes to show you that people were kind of shocked by it which is fair yeah. but then I think what also that like what that also kind of leads me to believe is that um, it's that idea of like oh Hillary Clinton is four more years of Obama you know yeah. and a lot of people were like uh, no like America's not already great things are not going well for me and four more years of Obama sounds excruciating not because they hate Obama for being a black man because a lot of people in this country elected him you know as a A lot of those same states that now elected Trump elected Obama twice yeah but it felt the idea of nothing changing felt excruciating because ultimately despite all the hope and change rhetoric obviously nothing actually changed you know not even a little bit like you're saying not even like when people thought things should change like after 2008 like after every fucking bank crashed and tanked and credit disappeared and people's like lives what had to like halt you know like nothing changed like obama was expected to prosecute some fucking body somebody did something wrong but no no there was nobody that could be prosecuted except for the Ponzi scheme guy, Bernie Madoff, yeah, yeah. and like a few low-level, you know, Wall Street whoever is. The fact that a turnout sucked this election and yeah. Trump won with like less votes than Romney is proof that Hillary needed to run on an affirmative agenda and not just a not Trump agenda. Yeah. Yeah, not just a we're not yeah. crazy vulgar Republican exactly. people agenda. Exactly. Just saying I'm Donald, not Donald Trump, is not enough to get people to come out and vote for you. I mean, why would it be? That's not inspiring. Like, yeah, and it's more proof that Bernie would have won. Yeah, I'm sympathetic with people who say like, "There's no point in talking about that now because it," you I'm know, not. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm partially sympathetic. I agree. But... We were listening to Chapo, although I was saying this to you before that, but I think they put it pretty succinctly in yeah. saying, like, if we don't talk about like what went, if we don't get right what went wrong, we can't talk about how to like move forward correctly. You know, and if we don't talk about the fact that Bernie could have won this because not because he's magical, but because, you know, he had populist policies. He yeah. was very popular. He 
excited people. He had people coming out, like talk about turnout. Yeah. And not to mention, I think the best point that they made, and certainly one that I'll be making from now on, is um, going through the states. What state can you imagine uh, Bernie losing that Hillary won? Yeah. I can't imagine a single one. I can only imagine that he might have had higher voter turnout in certain places like Columbus, yeah. like, you know, like college towns, like the, you could have actually had some states swing more blue if if you had higher voter turnout, because right. that's always the case. Low voter turnout, Republicans win. Yeah. High voter turnout, we win. Yeah, they just did such a shitty job. You have to blame the Hillary campaign for losing this one. Yeah. Oh, we were saying if Hillary had like done anything newsworthy besides these scandals, which weren't even salacious yeah. in a like interesting way. Like Trump has salacious scandals, right? Yeah. Hillary's scandals were just dreary. Just well, like salacious min- is another like, way of saying you know interesting. Yeah, exactly. Interesting yeah. and like human, right? Like yeah. usually when we talk about salacious we mean like sexual or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? Hillary could have come That's out human. Hillary could have come out as a lesbian and yeah. gotten elected. Yes. Yeah. I was joking with you and saying at least that would have explained why she stayed with school all those years. Yeah, that would be um, uh, yeah. yeah, okay, one other thing though, but before we kind of move on, um, is, uh, you know, we were talking about the response to this election, and, and I guess to some extent the liberal response to this election, and I've seen a lot of people on uh, various social media posting about how, look, the best thing you can do is um, donate to charities, and I just really have to say, like, those people should, like, themselves yeah. i mean it's fine like it is it is good to donate to charity i guess you know if that's what you want to do if it makes you feel better if like whatever go for it but i don't think that that is like any kind of way to affect any real change yeah. it's you not know, a politics yeah it's like it was it's bad you, politics it's like voting with your wallet like yeah. i can buy all the seventh gen green products you know that you know uh H-E-B or Giant Eagle or whatever offers, but I'm not gonna, like, reverse yeah. climate change by I doing know. that, right? Like, I'm not even gonna make the, the city I live yeah. in healthier. I mean, you have to organize. Like, people need to understand that that uh, any type of action that someone calls you to that's, like, just individual-based is garbage. Yeah. You're not gonna change anything. You have to, like, Organize in solidarity with other people if you want to change something. Even something small, like even something like that is related just to your town. Yeah, yeah. I saw people. Let alone to the country. I saw people sharing um, like volunteer opportunities you could do instead of donate. I thought that was cool. I mean, I think Except that's when I looked at the list, it was all only New York City. That well, pissed me off. The other thing There's about a world outside of charities New York. is like, I like charities. Charity is great. Charities do great work. Um, but charities are also, uh, it's hard not to notice. It's like a neoliberal tax shelter game. Like, I it mean, is. you know, it's basically a way for rich people to decide how to spend their ta- tax dollars because they get to offset their charity donations. And it's like a way to you know it's like a second it's like a shadow government when it comes to like entitlement programs and things like that it's like saying oh people need clothes well there's a charity for that no the government should provide clothes or whatever people need like if that's something that we believe in our society is something that 
um, that needs to be provided, like that needs to be part of the safety net, you know? And it, it's kind of a way of like, I think, distracting people from actually changing government in favor of just, I don't know, feeling better for the day when you volunteer. Yeah, and yeah. again, I have volunteered many times like yeah it's great to volunteer don't get me wrong it's a good use of your time but you know you know, you know what that's similar to i, I don't like i just think like sorry but just ultimately i think it, it feeds again to that idea of like individuals individual action individuals spending their money in, in the way that they believe is right and that is garbage especially if you're not a rich like a really rich person you know yeah. like maybe if i'm a bush and i donate to a specific charity i can get them to you know do something like take some action that i'm really passionate about but for most of us you know you're gonna donate like 50 100 200 500 dollars no charity is even gonna like care about what how you specifically think that money should be spent yeah and again most important of all we need the government to create a safety net, not charities to pick up the pieces. Like, that's Mitt Romney's plan for America. Yeah, that yeah. shouldn't be liberals or progressives' idea of how to fix America. Yeah. And it's certainly not a response to a, a, an election. You know, government has power. Charities do not have power to change people's but lives. But we also need government not to just be charitable, not just to help poor people. To me, that's part of the problem. Oh, I like agree. Like you say, a safety I net, agree. but what we really need are social services for all Americans. Yes. That's a lesson that we need to learn when, uh, during the primary, Hillary supporters and, and Hillary on stage were saying, uh, well, the problem with Bernie's college plan is that even Trump's kids will get college. Yeah, I know. Who I cares? That. That's fine. You're talking about, like, three people that you don't think deserve it are going to get it. That's the same shit Republicans do. They say we can't have welfare because a few people who don't deserve it will get it. Oh, we, need, we need government that just has programs for everybody that help every American. We need to retool government so it's not just, uh, like, to say that we need to just help poor people is the same kind of performative bullshit that just makes you feel good about yourself and about America. Yeah, it's very paternalistic. It's paternalistic, especially when you tie it to like, oh, we're going to give you money, but just for food. Or, or just for yeah. children. Well, and then we're not going to give you money. We're going to give you food stamps that you yeah. can only use to buy food. Or we're going to give you a child tax credit. Yeah. What bullshit is that? Well, uh, yeah. Especially, like, is it like, didn't we hear somewhere that, like, part of, like, the Clinton welfare thing was that states got to decide how to spend welfare money and a bunch of them used it for things like giving, you know, married couples. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it promotes family and yeah. tax credit and stuff. Part of, and part of welfare credit. reform was letting states decide. Yeah. And they used it for total bullshit like that. Yeah, so, I mean, that, there, that's the other piece of it is, like, yeah. you can't just... But that's, to me, one of the lessons we need to learn. Like, when people are talking about white working class and stuff, um, I don't know what you think about that, if it's overblown or, you know. But, but one lesson that you need to learn, I think, is... Um, I, I guess the same thing I'm saying that like we should have government programs that are social programs that help everybody that help the well, working class that also class. creates solidarity which is yeah. like what I'm talking about you know like yeah. we need to like work together if we want to change anything you know Yeah. Um, I mean you know like we live in Texas where like forget you know you would think like the 
alcohol industry is large and that beer would be like an important component of any state's economy. And yet in Texas for the longest time, uh, they've had these crazy, oh my God, they've had these crazy, um, you know, laws about governing like specifically craft beer and limiting in various ways the ability to create and distribute craft beer. And that is because of the big beer industry creating those. Well, products. that's true. But I'm just saying like it took years and many people working in concert and this is like uh still a, an industry, a smaller industry, but still industry lobbying government to get something to change in the state. You know what I'm saying? Like they had to work together. If like one brewer just was like, hey, I really want the laws to change, nothing would have happened, you know? And so if that's the case, when you have money and industry behind you, when your issues are like, we should raise minimum wage and make sure that like trans people are safe, you know, we don't have a lobby and an industry yeah. behind us. We don't have money behind us. We don't have power behind us except in numbers yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. only way to gain legitimacy and you're, so... you're saying solidarity is yeah. a lesson to learn that's yes. so true like uh if you if you talk to working class people about why they are skeptical of welfare programs it's uh they they think somebody is gaming it somebody's getting something that that they're not getting um and you know maybe we should listen to that critique and not just write it off as racist like on the one hand, yes, it's true, you know, white people in America have had it better than other people in America for a long time, but, like, there's still, you still have to, I don't know, it seems really weird to say, like, oh, white, white, uh, white middle Americans have had it too good for too long when their mortality rates are rising, when they don't have good work anymore, either meaningful work, which has never existed, or well-paid work which hasn't existed for 30 or 40 years, it seems weird to just write off their concerns because minorities have it worse. Instead, we should have solidarity well, and mean, say, like, maybe your critiques of welfare or your concerns about it are legitimate, so instead we should have social programs that help everybody. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, uh, it feels weird to say it because it's not true. It's not, wait, middle, or not even middle, like, yeah, working class, lower class people haven't had it that good they just had it better than yeah. other people in america yeah. but that doesn't mean it was good they didn't have access to like health care or child care or yeah. any type of policies that would make their lives actually materially better in some way that came from the government right like it's not like they can look to the government and be like oh my gosh ever since we got that paid maternity leave it's been so much easier to like start a family you know we all have family values blah blah whatever like um it sucks that in america and i think that this is like because of capitalism but i don't know it might be because of other you know forces of american culture and life like uh it's like we have to compete with each other for this tiny piece of the pie and it's like yeah. well white working class people have had it for too long and now it's you know black Black people's, people's turn, turn or yeah, minorities turn or gay people's turn or, or poor whoever. people like yeah. we can help poor people yeah and that's obviously not the answer the answer isn't that there's only a tiny piece of pie to be had the answer is that there's a ton of us and we should have most of the pie and most of the you know yeah. benefits of american society should go to most 
Americans, especially when you consider we are the wealthiest country in the world. I mean, ever, historically. There's never been a time when there hasn't been a more powerful, a more wealthy, a more successful, a more efficient country in terms of you know, capitalism and producing goods and all that shit than us, you know? Now, I I don't particularly value capitalist efficiency to any great extent uh, as a well, as, a, as an ends in and of itself. It's just, it's not even true. It's a stupid concept. Like, Well, I mean, it is true that we we are very efficient, though. I mean, we do produce a lot of goods. We do produce more food than we can possibly eat, which is why it's fucking crazy yeah, yeah. that we say we don't have enough money or food to feed everybody or to give everybody health yeah, yeah. care or an e- education. Efficiency also means, like, cranking out more hamburgers per minute. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, that's what I was saying. I I was qualifying efficiency. I'm just saying, like, even if you're, you know, like, an ardent capitalist and, like, lover of all things efficient or whatever, then even less it should make sense to you why we can't, like, actually give services to the workers when they're the ones making everything and essentially run, you know, making the country run, like... Yeah, yeah. We're basically talking about redistributing wealth more equitably, right? Yeah. And as long as Democrats and Republicans are both opposed to it. Well, that's the problem. That's why, yeah, that's why it doesn't make sense is because everyone's opposed to it. So they've they've boxed us into this discussion where you're like, well, it doesn't really make sense to say white working class people have had it good. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to say that at all. That's not true. And as long as Democrats are opposed to just redistributing wealth more equitably, then you're going to have room on the right to have some populist surge to attack immigrants and minorities for getting things that they don't deserve and and for getting special treatment. Especially when you have Democrats saying, like, fuck white people, like, implicitly. Like, we don't don't need their votes because so many Latino people are... Yeah, yeah, the demographics are switching. Yeah, and I mean, that's also what leads to the guy who wins the fucking presidency being the... All he had to say was that he was gonna call like carrier air conditioning or whatever, yeah. and like bully, bully the, them, yeah. the guy into like through tariffs or whatever into keeping jobs here. Yeah. That's like not a policy. It's <laughs> not even. It's nothing. It's, it's nothing. Exactly. It's literally yeah. nothing. And yet, that's all. Nothing was basically that. Yeah, yeah. Because it was more than anybody else was. Talk was like all it took. Yeah, because Democrats aren't even paying attention to, yeah. to working people. Exactly. Yeah. Because they, because you know they think they're uh, captured parties. Oh, it pissed Thomas me. Frank saying, it like, pissed me so off. Pissed me off so much when Hillary Clinton her policy was like. $15 an hour in certain know, regions, in other regions, I think 1250 yeah. but, you know, whatever's appropriate for that region. Yeah. That's so, I realized today, it, so it pissed elitist. me off from the beginning, but I realized the other day why, like, uh, more factually based, why it pisses me off, because rent prices are different in different parts of the country, right? But nothing else is. Yeah. Uh, so if you make more money in D.C. because your rent is higher and you need that money, you're also more able to buy a car or to buy goods on Amazon or to buy nice clothes. Like, you're paying more for rent, but everything else is the same. So if you have more income, then you're allowed to buy more of the nice goods in society. Whereas if you live in a rural poor area and you're paying the same percentage of your income, you don't have enough left over to buy a car. Yeah, but you're still a parent 
whose 13 year old daughter wants to wear Abercrombie, yeah. whether you live in DC or and you still need a fucking car. You know, car rural costs the Ohio, same everywhere. But also, what Couches I'm saying, the same hold everywhere. on, you're ruining my argument. <laughs> what I'm saying is that that hurts. Like that hurts if you're a parent and your kid really wants to fit in with all her friends and you can't afford it because you, you know, the best job you can get in your town is working at Starbucks or whatever and yeah. even they don't pay that well. You know, that actually like hurts parents and people who love their children. Yeah. And that makes them angry. It's not fair that they're working full time in a lot of cases or two part time jobs and they can't afford to like make their kids happy on Christmas Day, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and that doesn't change whether you live in rural Ohio or DC or, you know, wherever. Like that those prices stay the same. That's the type of stuff that actually matters. That's like the, you know, I think again, like you being a man, <laughs> focus too much on numbers. Like you need to focus on actually how it feels things. to live in this, yeah, material yeah. reality. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. So I, I like what we ended up on there. Yeah. We didn't come up with that beforehand. That was live. Like the answer is solidarity. <laughs> For yeah. the Democrats, the answer to Trumpism is solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not even for Democrats. I don't know about Democrats. They can do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, they're really a corporate neoliberal bullshit party yeah. that obviously doesn't actually give a fuck about anybody but like the top 10% or whatever. I, you know, when Chuck Schumer said, oh, for every one blue collar worker we lose, we'll, lose, we'll gain two Republican I women know. in the suburbs. How many fucking Republican women in suburbs are there compared to blue collar workers? I, I knew that was dumb at the time. They, they were doing so much that we knew was done at the time, and yet we still didn't believe that Trump would win because they told us. That's because like the only people most like those demo, those like Democratic leaders like Chuck Schumer respect are like other Ivy League Democrats. You know, like yeah. people who just don't really. I mean, for whom America already is great. I've told you, like for Ezra Klein, for David Plotz, for these. You know, people, America is already great. And they can afford to have, like, six kids in D.C., you know? Like, congratulations. Like, but there's a lot of people out here in the the areas we're driving through right now, like rural Ohio and stuff. But it's it's hard to imagine how you even cope with having one child or buying a house or buying a car. Or what do you do if you get a medical bill and you just bought a car, you know? Yeah. It is scary. It's, it's then, literally scary. And yeah. then Democrats say stuff like, oh, unemployment is the lowest it's been since 2009. I know. I know. Or, oh, we have health insurance for 10 million more Americans. Yeah, I know. But they don't even look at the fact that, like, that health insurance is fucking expensive and yeah. people don't even want it. Well, the co-case, they can't afford to use it. Yeah. yeah, like, the deductibles are crippling. Like, what's the point of paying such a high monthly rate when your deductible is shit? Yeah. And uh, unemployment just measures, like, the number of people who have been out of work for less than two years and are still looking for a job, but also it doesn't include people that are looking for a second job because their first job sucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <sighs> so, one other thing. I have a note here. I don't know if we said this specifically about, um, like, the white white people who are saying, oh, it's so bad that Trump got elected. I'm so scared for America. Yeah. Um, we talked about that. A Did bit. we specifically say that they're appropriating other people's pain? I, I just wanted to that. use that word. <laughs> I mentioned that because yeah. of, that's how I, that's, I was telling you that when I was looking at Facebook. I love that, like, appropriating 
other cultures is such a buzzword for those woke people yeah but they do it all the time yeah. like they're always using those memes of black people I or know. the gifts or and you know loving black music and stuff which is fine like, well it's good loving, but yeah it, loving you're still appropriating thing, it but when all of your tweets are like when Bay like whatever <laughs> you know or I don't know I, yeah. I'm not good at it you're but... just doing like acceptable blackface exactly yeah. yeah it's like performing blackface for you and your friends you yeah, know like totally. it's really kind of weird that that's suddenly accept- I'm, I'm not really clear on why it's acceptable to essentially like yeah. perform blackness as a white person online but yeah. and then certainly it's... especially on Twitter it's like rampant and how vile to appropriate other people's pain I know. In that way. I know you're gonna be fine I know that's, you're that's like, what I was saying you like work for Democrats in DC and have a nice apartment like you're or gonna be fine or even just come on you're like you know middle class college educated white person who has a job like yeah. in this economy already like you're probably gonna be able to write it out yeah, maybe yeah. it won't be the best four years of your life but it's it's not going to be a disaster for you. You're not going to literally be unsafe, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, when I see, like, you know, a trans friend writing about how unsafe he feels because Trump's been elected, and what yeah. does this really mean about how America feels about people like him and stuff? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I know. Yeah, I don't I'm, want people to think we're insensitive to that. We had a friend who's undocumented yeah. tell us how scared she was that Trump might get elected. Yeah. And it was like soul crushing. Yeah. That's why it pisses me off to see, you know, white people who are just fine. Yeah, but I it. wouldn't, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't yeah. like be on Facebook the day after the election, like writing about my feelings about those people or what, I don't know. It's just, it's really. Yeah, it's ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although it is scary that we've elected a reality TV billionaire. Everyone can be scared about that. I was saying to you, what what ultimately shocks me the most is actually not even that we elected a, you know, Donald fucking Trump reality TV star, but we elected Donald fucking Trump ugly ass. Oh yeah, yeah. Like fat, weird hair piece, like douchebag. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I mean the fact that we managed to elect someone so fucking ugly is really like legitimately surprising to me because we are such a nation that is obsessed like i mean to the point that like one of the reasons when romney was running i was kind of concerned was because he looked like a like tv president but i mean obama was like way more attractive so i knew it was gonna be okay but you know it's like it is bizarre now that like it's i know do do you remember someone so ugly when's the last time we like this one so hideous looking do you remember tiny tunes had a like trump character yes yes i do trump has been a joke for so long that even kids cartoons in the 90s had like parodies of him and now he's president yeah that is legitimately it's like shocking. a feat. Like, yeah. honestly, like, it's it's almost impressive if it weren't so fucking sad. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, but that brings us to silver linings. We wanted to highlight a few silver linings. Yeah. Um, because I really, you know, I wish I could. So we listened to the Pete Holmes podcast for a long time. Uh-huh. And he's, if you haven't listened, he's very, like, new agey and loves to talk about perspectives Rob on Doss. life. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He has some quote that he loves to tell about, like, a monk who yeah. is, like, I don't know, walking down the street and gets hit by a car. No, it's, like, a little... I, I think we're thinking of you the do same, it, yeah. same thing. Uh, it's, like, a little boy, and he is... Um, he, he, like, 
I don't know, gets a new bike and everyone in the village is like, oh my gosh, what a lucky little boy he is. And then there's an older monk and he's like, we'll see. And then the little boy is like riding his bike and he like breaks his leg and everyone in the village is like, oh my gosh, what an unlucky little boy. And he's, the monk is like, we'll see. And then like, you know. And then like Hitler comes to his elementary school and kills all the other kids. <laughs> well, it's no. Like, oh, what a lucky little boy. Okay. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah, it I just goes on Yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. And the idea is basically like, we can't know in the present what is really like good or bad or meaningful to us. Yeah, like we yeah. have to like look back, you know, with some perspective yeah. to really understand what so was going on. We were really scared at the prospect of a Hillary presidency because That's funny because neither of us talked about that quote, but I've been thinking about that little story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you brought it up. We anyway. were scared that like if Hillary gets pre gets the presidency and then the economy crashes, that we would have to deal with like twelve years of Republicans, right? Yeah. Or you know well it would be another one of those confirmation bias moments when it's like oh, democrats just don't get the economy you know and it's like yeah, yeah. no idiots don't get the economy like bubbles happen every like yeah, eight yeah. to twelve years so that's one silver lining we might have a crash in the next four years yeah and it, might and it would be great if it was blamed on trump instead yeah, of a democrat yeah. even a shitty democrat yeah because i don't believe in like pendulum theory that politics no. swings left and swings right no, I don't it either. doesn't stay in place right that implies that the center is always in the same place. Exactly. But what we want to do is move that center to the left. Yeah, more like the Overton window model. Yeah, yeah. Just some God-given yeah. center. But still, you know, we're not going to have, you know, Democrats in charge always. And even if we did, they're not that great anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's one silver lining is like a recession. But another one along the same lines is like we need to redraw the districts in 2020. Yeah. Because Republicans have gerrymandered so Everything aggressively <laughs> yeah yeah that democrats have no chance to control the house which yeah. is fucked up because you know you know your history from like middle school <sighs> the senate is the one that is supposed to privilege rural and uh, small states yeah right so there's some unfairness built into the senate but the house is supposed to be representative yeah. and they've aggressively gerrymandered it so much that it's worse than the senate yeah well, so, I mean, I think, what was it, the last election or the election before that, like, a million more uh, ballots were cast for Democrats in but the But they lost seats. Like, seriously yeah. lost seats. Like, in Pennsylvania alone, more people voted Democrat, but they lost three or four seats. Yeah. Like, it's scary. We need a government that actually functions. And uh, it's possible that if Republicans are in charge for the four, next four years, that we can have some backlash to that, this backlash presidency. You know, because normally a president loses seats after he's been in charge for two years. So that'll put Democrats in a position to redraw the lines. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason that I'm like so trying to drive, I don't normally like get on my high horse about having been an organizer. Well, I hope I don't anyway, maybe I do. But uh, part of the reason I really want to like drive this home is because this is like the time when people really need to organize. And I hope that. Um, that this is a catalyst for that, like this election and all these people freaking out actually. Like, it's not, a, like you wanna do something even individually, like start, like go start volunteering for like your local, you know, Democrat or whoever, Congressman, Green Party, whoever, yeah. who's running for Congress. Because the thing, not just Congress, um, sorry, state legislature, because the state legislatures are also gerrymandered yeah, to shit. Yeah. 2020 is also when they get redistricted. And right now, Republicans have more state legislatures than ever. 
They have the House, they have the Senate, and they have the presidency. So right now, they can, like, rule this country, like, you know, as authoritarianly and as they want to, like... Or consider running for a state legislature. Yes. There are so many portions of this country, Democrats don't even compete. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's the thing is, like, I'm hoping that in two years, we'll have a huge turnout for uh, midterm elections, right? Because that'll be the first opportunity to check Trump's power. But that'll also be the time that people should turn out for their state legislature. Like, everyone kept talking about who are you voting um, for in this, you know, election, like, obviously, you know, Donald or Hillary. But to me, like, one of my, the most exciting things to me about voting, because we vote in Texas, I knew obviously I was going to go for Trump, uh, was actually, like, one of the judges we voted for who's, like, actually ardently uh, anti-death penalty and who has a real shot of winning in Texas. I actually haven't checked to see if he won, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. but hopefully he did because that would actually affect people's lives. Like, yeah. people in Texas, a lot of people in Texas would be affected by that. Just that yeah. one victory. Plus, you know? there's a lot of people running for office who have atrocious views in Texas. Yes, So I would vote for any was, Democrat running yeah, against them. Yeah, Well, the judge, I mean, who's running against him was, like, in fucking sane and had, like, a crusade against public defenders. So, I, Oh, you yeah, know, it was really scary. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that, like, Didn't I'm you hoping... say the judge just stopped accepting cases yeah, with public defenders? Yeah, because yeah, it was a whole thing. That's but, fucked up. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Cincinnati looks really beautiful right now. Uh, yeah. I hate Cincinnati. It's kind of It's always seems so shitty. stressful to drive through here. The Yeah. I don't know, the traffic situation. They need to like expand this highway or something. I'm yeah, not it's sure. always bad. It's always also, so it's, crowded and it's like a Sunday. Like, also it's Republican. Yeah. It's like the Republican bastion of urban <laughs> Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Isn't yeah. that where we get uh, John Boehner from? And, yeah. Uh, I think Rob Portman too, who's now our governor or hour I say like we still live in Ohio but yeah but it looks really beautiful really nice bridges yeah maybe it's just this quality of light I, that's there. what I was gonna say the light looks really good on the yeah. Uh, river yeah uh last sunny side silver lining hopefully is like the end of the DLC Clinton wing of the party yes oh my god I mean please. all these remain to be seen yeah but it seems like this one you you gotta Democrats have to see the writing on the wall and make some changes we'll see i mean i really would not put it past democrats to like double down and become more conservative i think that that's the yeah. right path forward that the reason that they lost was because they didn't peel off enough moderate you know <laughs> women in philadelphia like, or whatever. Uh, like pro police anti-black yeah. people well, voters they lost to Reagan, right? And yeah. that's how the DLC came out of. Was And, th- and that's what they did. They, they basically yep. stole Republican policies. By being and, tough on black people. Yes. Yeah. So I it just would not put it past Democrats to make completely the wrong choice, especially every time I hear people tell me that she won with a million more votes, the popular vote. Two than, million almost. Okay, great. But Eight million. What that, 20 million. Right. But what that obscures is, you know... The policy does not speak to most people. Voter turnout was so fucking depressed. Yeah. And I was telling you about how I heard that in other countries, people can vote none of the above when they turn out to vote. Because, like, in some cases, you have mandatory voting. And I feel like that's essentially what this election was. I know that's what a lot of elections are. 
but this election in particular, like with such depressed voter turnout, to me was like so clear that people were like, I I don't like any of these people. I don't like these choices. This is bullshit. And I don't want yeah. this, you know? Yeah. So Democrats cannot become the party of the rich. That is have, suicide. They're trying to. That's suicide. That's, they, that's who they identify with. Though, because it's like, it was like working class people and then like, you know, educated, like college, compassionate liberals or whatever yeah. for a while. And I think that what happened was that those compassionate, you know, college educated liberals started looking at the working class who were sometimes racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever and they started being they were like disgusted with them and they're like ah these people i don't want to hang out with these people i don't want these people in my party you know i mean literally like as if imagine if you had them over at your house for a party like you'd feel uncomfortable i mean it goes back to the 60s and 70s when the rising Democrats, the young new Democrats were from the colleges and they were anti-war, but a lot of working class people like served in Vietnam and probably didn't feel, you know, when you like serve in the war and lose limbs or lose friends, it's harder to oppose it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, it's true there's racism in in the working class, but it's not... Yeah, of course. To me, like, the problem with people saying that Trump's win is all about racism and shit is like... Well, it completely lets Democrats off the hook. It does. As if Democrats aren't racist. But, like, one thing that really pisses me off... Yeah, because it's fine to court... Sorry, but it's fine to court moderate Republicans, but not working-class whites. I know, I know. Really, the moderate Republicans aren't racist? That's what I was going to say. Okay, sorry. Yeah, and we should start wrapping up, because we're going to hit, like, 90 minutes soon. Okay, oh, wow. like the tr- the new Trump coalition took the conservative Republican because as soon as he chose Mike Pence, they were all on board. I mean, the conservative Christians. It combines them with rich people who want tax cuts and less regulation, the traditional Republican base, and now they added in like working class people who feel, you know, like things aren't going well for them economically. And, and you know, if you want to dispute that, that's not correct. I'm sorry. Like there are polls that show. 75% people who voted for Trump said their family is doing worse in the last eight years. Yeah. Uh, so, why, you don't think, like, rich-ass Republicans are racist? You don't think Chris, conservative Christians are racist? Yeah. They are. So why but, why now that he's courting the working class uh, is racism a problem? Yeah. yeah, because because the Democrat professional class looks down on working class yeah. people. That's why they hate, they, you know, kind of hate working class people. Yeah, they think they they're do. dumb, they think they're backwards. And also for a long time, they had nowhere else to go. And yeah. so, you know, we have them here. Uh, you know, I guess we'll take their votes, but we're certainly not going to like, yeah, I know. you know, give Help them unions anything. Or anything. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not smart, they're not educated, they're not valuable. Like, yeah. All right, is that our podcast for this Uh, episode? Yeah, I thought of something else I wanted to say. Me too, but I forgot. Okay, well, maybe we'll add something onto this Yeah. we think of it. I hope our new recording technique goes well. I hope you enjoy the background noise. We were thinking you being Mainly text from my mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we thought this would be fun. It's easier for us to record. We like listening to background noise. Yeah, Um, and hopefully this will help us, like, actually be more consistent about 
putting out podcasts because we can do them when we're like driving yeah. and stuff and not just. I really want to just go out into nature and talk one time. Yeah. But we have to get like uh, one of those really hairy windscreens for the microphone and everything. I'm sure the listeners are very interested in the technical details of our recording process. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully it's fun. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. Hopefully yeah. it sounds good. This episode might be a little harsher than other ones because we're driving like yeah. 70 miles an hour down the road. Yeah, so, and sometimes there's like a truck driving by. Yeah, or, apologies know. if it's harsh. We probably won't do it exactly this way in the future. Yeah. Yeah. But we have a ton of fucking time to kill, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right. Okay, well, that's it for now. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.